So not every codependent becomes an addict, but a lot of addicts, in fact, most addicts, are very much codependent. You've tuned to Recovery Revolution with Dr. Gayla Gorman. If someone you're close to is struggling with addiction, you've got a lot at stake. That makes you a recovery stakeholder. And you wouldn't be the first person living with an addict to say, I hate addiction. Well, we're taking a different approach. And if you choose to join us, you just might become a revolutionary, loving the addict and outsmarting the addiction. This is episode one, and what I'll refer to as one of the foundational episodes. We're creating a recovery revolution, and it's contagious. Well, it's officially winter, the time of year when we reflect on what's been working for us and what hasn't. And we're often feeling motivated to make some changes for the new year. So we're going to help you sort that out. But first, one of the ways we outsmart addiction is to shine a big fat spotlight on it. This week, one of the news sites published a letter written by a recovery stakeholder mom. The title... My son Kevin is a heroin addict in long-term recovery. What could I have done differently? In her letter, she talks about how she can see now that she enabled him as he was growing up, just trying to be a good mom that wanted life to be a little easier for her son. She closes with, Recognize that addiction can happen to your child. The epidemic is real. Be prepared to fight for your child's life. Forewarned is forearmed. Arm yourself. I thought this was particularly insightful. This is exactly what we're doing here by becoming recovery revolutionaries. Let's take a moment to develop awareness. This is something you can practice anywhere, anytime. Begin by noticing where your breath is landing in your body. Are you feeling your breath in your chest? Is it expanding your ribcage or even your belly? Just become aware of your breathing. Now we're going to breathe intentionally. We'll start by breathing deeply into our belly. Breathe deeply, expanding your belly. Notice how it feels for your belly to expand. Then pull your abdomen in so that all of the stale air gets pushed out on the exhale. Let's do that again. Breathe in deeply, all the way into your belly. Expand your belly. And again, breathe out and flatten your tummy. Squeeze all that air out. Next, we'll move the breath up to our rib cage. Intentionally expand your rib cage with the breath. It may feel like your ribs are stretching out on both sides, or you may feel it expanding your back. Just notice how that feels. You're stretching your lungs to the side and creating flexibility in your ribs. Take another breath into your rib cage. Now let's go back to how you were probably breathing when we started this practice. Breathe into your upper chest. You can feel your breastbone raise and lower with the breath. Notice how it feels to take a shallow breath now that we've expanded the breath into our belly and ribcage. We've sent a clear message to our brain and nervous system that we can take control. 
Let's use this feeling of empowerment to practice aware appreciation. What's one big thing that you appreciate right now? And keep this in mind as you notice more things to appreciate as you move through your day. Are you still scratching your head a bit wondering what a recovery stakeholder is? And if you even are one? So let's start by defining recovery stakeholders. So stakeholder is a term that is commonly used in business, and I'll put it in that context here, a business or an organization. So a person, group, or organization that has an interest or concern in an organization. For example, there are organizations that are dependent on another organization. For example, a nonprofit might be dependent on government funding. So that organization is a stakeholder for the government who's funding them. Some examples of key stakeholders are creditors, directors, employees, government and its agencies, owners, shareholders, suppliers, unions, and the community that a business is in even and draws its resources from. You can see that there are countless relationships where there's dependencies. So stakeholders, for example, in a company, we can easily see how the employees are stakeholders, right? And the business owners are stakeholders. But the vendors and suppliers are stakeholders because if that business goes out of business, then one of their customers no longer exists. The customers even of the business are stakeholders because if they're dependent on that business supplying them with whatever it is, the service or product that they're being supplied with, if they go out of business, then they've got to find another source for it. So the stakeholder relationship is really important, and you can see it at work all over the place in the world. So as a recovery stakeholder, you have a stake in your loved one's recovery. You have a stake in seeing recovery stick. And so we coined the term recovery stakeholder. It seemed appropriate, and most people that we talk to that are in this boat agree. The important thing is to recognize that it's a slippery slope for a stakeholder to become codependent with the person they're in relationship with. Codependence, we sometimes will look at codependence as the root addiction. So not every codependent becomes an addict, but a lot of addicts, in fact most addicts, are very much codependent. When you're in relationship with an addict, you may see it and think they're totally self-absorbed and not codependent at all. But codependence actually has two sides to it, codependence and counterdependence. And when the flip side of codependence is showing up, it looks like 
shamelessness and self-absorption, but really it's a reaction to being so dependent and caring so much about what other people think, not being able to meet their expectations, and finally just saying, F it, (laughs) I'm just going to do what I want. So it's important as a recovery stakeholder to recognize that this is what's going on and that you need to be okay with them dealing with their issues in whatever way they need to deal with it, which is super challenging, right? Because their issues are spilling over and creating chaos into your life. So how are you going to set those boundaries that you need to set and make sure that to whatever degree is humanly possible, you minimize the chaos that's going on in your life? Sometimes that's going to require that you, if the person struggling with addiction has been living with you, that you tell them they can't live with you anymore, even if that means they're going to be homeless out on the streets. So... There's some really tough decisions to be made, but the work for the recovery stakeholder is to recognize codependence and to uh, work with boundaries and make sure that you're not enabling the addict and prolonging the inevitable. Every time you step in and mitigate the consequences that the addict is facing, even if it's just the consequence of being hungry because they're not taking care of themselves. When you step in and mitigate that consequence, you have just ever so slightly prolonged the addictive cycle. So we really encourage you to think um, carefully about any time you step in And like Kevin's mom talked about, step in to make their life a little bit easier. I know it's tempting and really hard, but but that's your work to do. So I just want to also remind you, you may have heard this before, but this uh, recovery stakeholders can't hear this enough, that the problem really isn't about you, even if your loved one is blaming you and manipulating you telling you that it's all your fault and you were a terrible wife, mother, husband, father, friend, you know, whatever your relationship is to the addict, sister, brother, whatever, whatever your relationship is with that person, it, at a certain point, they have to take responsibility for the issue. Even if there was trauma in the experience of relationship together. And even if you do have things to be sorry for, at some point the responsibility is to get better and to address the issues. So buying into feeling guilty and succumbing to their demands isn't going to help anybody. Just know that this is the way addiction fights. Addiction takes control of the brain and really is willing to use just about any tactic to get its next fix. 
anything you're hearing come out of this person's mouth, while some of the things may be just really, really difficult to hear, try to just let it go in one ear and out the other. And you might even say, that's the addiction talking. I'm not listening now. If that, if you don't have anything to say to me that is productive, then I'm going to excuse myself from this conversation. Um, whether that means hanging up the phone, not engaging in texting back and forth, walking out of the room, walking out of the house, whatever it requires. Uh, trying to reason with an addict just is not productive. So we have a quiz that will kind of help you see some of the ways where you may be enabling the addict. And so if you'll go to the recoveryes.com forward slash episodes page, you'll see that in the sidebar and you can take that quiz. That could be really helpful for you to see how you might be unwittingly enabling your loved one and um, maybe spark some ideas about what you need to do differently. So my takeaway and what I'd like to share with you as you think of, of what your takeaway is from this episode is that if it's okay for me to be who I am, it's okay for them to be who they are. Even if that means they're an addict and they, in this period, phase of their life, they're struggling with addiction. They've got to figure it out on their own. And there was an example, a story from another recovery stakeholder mom that I just thought was really touching. She said her son had promised to come over and mow the lawn And she'd had a number of experiences with him where he said he was going to do something and didn't. Well, this day he actually showed up. But she said he showed up and he was obviously high. And she said normally she would have just said, you know what, you're high, you're wasted, just leave. I don't need you to mow the lawn in this condition. But she said this time she decided she was going to just try something different. He didn't have to come into the house. She didn't have to um, worry about violating that boundary. She said, you know what, if you want to, if you're here to mow the lawn, have at it. And she said he got started and, and was in really bad shape and was getting sick and in the yard. And she said, again, normally she would have said, oh, forget it, just leave, this is ridiculous. But she said it rather, she went out there and she confronted him and said, We've been struggling together with this addiction for so long now. She said, I just really hope at some point you'll realize that you don't want to live your life this way, that this is not you and who you are. And she just reminded her son that she loves him. She appreciated him being there, doing what he said he was going to do. And left it at that. Let him keep struggling through trying to get the lawn mowed in the hot sun and being wasted and coming down off of whatever his drug of choice was. So sometimes the only thing we can do is to just confront the craziness that we're in the middle of and say, that's the addiction talking. I'm not going to try to have a conversation with an addict 
when you're in this space, I love you and my thoughts and prayers are with you. I know at some point you're going to figure this out. I trust that you're going to figure this out and leave it at that. That's all you can do. They've got to figure it out. And once, once they get that message enough times, at some point they will figure it out. Or they might not. But even if they don't, there's not a whole lot you can do differently that will ensure that happens. And it certainly isn't going to happen if you continue to get into the middle of the situation and try to mitigate the consequences. I am feeling torn. I haven't heard from my son in over a week. He texted me yesterday and once again blamed my husband and I for what's going on in his life. He said, why are you guys doing this to me? I texted back telling him that he did this to himself by the choices he's made. I told him he couldn't come back home. He needs to get help and figure out how to put his life back together. I did tell him I love him and pray for him all the time. This is so hard. But I know I can't enable him either. This doesn't seem to bother my husband much. He's a recovering addict and still struggles with it. Should I act more like my husband and ignore my son's comments? First, thanks for submitting your question. I'm sure it seems like your husband is ignoring your son's comments, but I doubt that's true. Since you mentioned that he's a recovering addict, it's more likely that he knows that it's fruitless to try to reason with an active addict. Addiction literally takes control of the brain. Your son has a one-track mind right now. How do I get my next fix? And blaming you for his problems eases his own discomfort in the moment. If the addiction wins, you might even feel guilty enough to meet today's demand. I know it's difficult to watch your son struggle, but he's got to come to the point where he's willing to do what it takes to break free from the addictive cycle. Any help you provide will potentially delay that happening. Keep telling him that you love him and trust that he'll find his way out of addiction's maze. Until he does that, you must hold your own boundaries. That's your work. Are you ready to do something different? Something that will actually make a positive difference? You can take a great next step by getting some professional input about your unique situation. All you need to do is complete the Recovery Stakeholder Survey. Just visit recoveryes.com episodes and you'll find the link. In just a few minutes, you'll put the wheels in motion, headed in a new and positive direction. Your feedback makes a difference. What part of this episode helped you the most? Join the Recovery Revolution Facebook group and share your thoughts. Make sure you leave a review wherever you've accessed the show. And if you know other recovery stakeholders, share with them. We're recruiting all Relevolutionaries. Remember, all the links and resources are available at recoveryes.com episodes. Don't waste another moment hating addiction. Here at Recovery Relevolution, recovery stakeholders are loving the addict and outsmarting the addiction. If you're living with an addict, you've probably wondered why they're making such bad choices. Or you may have heard that addiction is a disease, but is it really? I'll address these questions in the next episode. You don't want to miss it, so make sure you join me. This was Recovery Revolution with Dr. Gayla Gorman. 
For more information and to find any resources mentioned in this episode, visit recoveryes.com episodes. Thank you for tuning in.